This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm great, Dean. How are you doing? I am really, really good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Winter's coming. I it will is. say that it's windy at my place today. Leaves are blowing all over the place and uh, many leaves have dropped and uh, the temperatures are also dropping. Yes, indeed. But in all, it's actually been quite balmy this week. We've had oh, some beautiful, beautiful weather. I don't know. I've great. just enjoyed it. Just really great. enjoyed it. Yeah. Great week to be out in the garden. Oh, I got so much. Ellie and I got a lot done. It was very, very effective. We're quite, quite pleased. Uh, the, the new garden I was telling you about last week, well, it's not so much new, but we put, had a retaining wall put in. So we finished that all up, got the edging around the rest of the garden, got four yards of soil put into the garden. And that's where I'm planting today, today, mark my words, today, garlic is going in and a bulb that you may or may not have ever heard of called Fritillaria imperialis it sounds impressive it is it's an imperial <laughs> it sounds a bit intimidating <laughs> it's a big word two big words but yes yeah, pretty funky bulb so i'll be putting those in today into that garden okay i'll tell you what let's talk about i want to hear about that bulb okay i want to give out the numbers and then it, i think you have a couple of announcements is that correct Good point. Yep. Okay. So let me give out the numbers. 416-360 is, uh, sorry, 360-0740. That's the Toronto number. Again, 416-360-0740 or toll free anywhere else in the province of Ontario outside Toronto, 1-866-740-4740. And uh, do let Ash, you know, if you're a first time caller, I will give you your well-earned garden wings. We want you to call often. Please call early and please, please, please. One question per call. Okay, what do you got, Charlie? All right, just quickly, speaking of bulbs, the Greater Toronto Bulb Society is meeting tomorrow, uh, Sunday, October 29th, 1.30 p.m. at the Toronto Botanical Gardens upstairs in one of the studio rooms. Visitors are welcome. And of course, there's a flower show also happening as part of the meeting. And they are going to be listening to somebody named Judy Zinni, who is presenting Gesneriads, Gesneriads, Gesneriads. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but Gloxinia is an example of a it, many, many plants grow from tubers and bulbs that we don't even think about. So um, that's happening tomorrow. Also, the Toronto Japanese Garden Club has a big 71st annual fall flower and and bonsai show going on tomorrow. That's from uh, noon until 4:30. And uh, if you've never been to a bonsai show, I recommend going to one. You'll just get your socks blown off uh, they the admission is five dollars a person they meet at the jcc which is the you know, part of the toronto japanese garden club's meeting area it is at six sakura way 
uh, formerly known as Garamond Court in Don Mills. So um, for any more information, they are on Facebook. Uh, but noon to 4.30, there's Ikebana, bonsai speakers, demos, plant sale, tea room, pumpkin decorating. Okie dokie. Okay, uh, we have to take our first break, but we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on the uh, last Saturday of October, right there, Charlie? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And Halloween's coming. You going and out how- for Halloween? Uh, well, you know what? My kids are of an age where it's no longer a thing cool. to go out, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll be at home. In fact, they've now even shifted into the, you know, giving out the candy kind of oh, that's, uh, jobs. That's good. They, they like, like to do that, that as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, let's go to our first caller. We're going to Mississauga. Yeah, we're going to speak to Hazel. Welcome to the Garden Show, Hazel. Good morning. Thank you. Morning. I have a question about um, a lucky bamboo plant that I purchased, oh, probably about four years ago in one of those glass containers with the in water. Yes. It's now about over two feet tall, and I'm thinking it should come out of that container. <laughs> what uh, What do I need to do? Is there anything special I need to do? Well, I imagine the container is full of roots, right? Probably. It's got those oh. black uh, little bits around it. Right. It's not a clear glass container then? It's a clear glass container, but it's mm-hmm. got like little black stones or something so oh, I can't really I see. see through. <clears throat> but I'm thinking, right, well, yeah. They, they call it lucky bamboo because it is supposed to be lucky. It's supposed to bring you money and luck and all kinds of wonderful things. Well, um, you know, it's a good alive, question. So you sir- hey, it's working. Yeah, good, good. Uh, so I would, if it's been that long in the glass jar, yeah, you're going to have to take the whole sure, thing you're, apart. you're cutting out. Maybe I'm not far enough from my radio. I will turn it off. Oh, yes, please. Definitely turn okay, off your radio. <clears throat> I'm still uh, right. losing you. Okay, so you're back. All right, so main thing is... Uh, you're just going to have to lay out some newspaper, pull the bamboo out of the the jar, the, the glass container, carefully lift all the, the rocks away from the roots, and then you would just get a, a, an all-purpose potting mix. Make sure it's nice and it's a sterile, brand-new bag, uh, nice and clean, clean pot with drainage, and pot the plants up. You can pot them together or separately. It's up to you. And um, and then, you know, keep them in the same kind of situation you've got them in. So I imagine you're kind of half-day sun or half-day shade, uh, bright, but no direct sunlight required. Good indirect Sorry, I didn't sunlight. I not hear any of that. I'd have to listen to the podcast. It just, uh, okay. just wasn't All right. well, through. Thanks for calling, Hazel. Yeah, you should just yeah just hang up and uh, listen to the podcast, which will be up and available to be listened to by Wednesday this week at the latest. And of course, it's am740.ca podcasts, The Garden Show. You got it. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We've got Diane calling from Dorchester. Welcome to The Garden Show, Diane. Hi, thanks, Dean and uh, Charlie, for taking my call. 
I always um, trim back my uh, peonies uh, all within maybe six inches of the ground. And um, a friend just sent me, it's called for stem nesting bees. And they're telling you, uh, now, are peonies, do they have hollow stems? Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. That's what I thought. Yes, because it says here in the winter, bees hibernate in stems during the winter. And then in the spring, you're supposed to cut back the dead flower stalks, leaving stem stubble uh, about 8 to 24 inches to provide nest cavities. And then it said the female bees find uh, the cut um, openings and they start a nest, then lay an egg on the pollen balls. And then the larvae eat the the pollen. And uh, then during the summer, it said... um, the bee larvae develop in the cut dead stems during the growing season. So, and then in another article from our um, horticulture group that just came out on uh, Wednesday, it says um, the very same thing, that you should leave one area, and in particular they're saying cone flowers. Uh, Mm. uh, And uh, it said um, uh, in the fall, leave a spot for bees to overwinter in the hollow stems of cone flowers and in sh- uh, the sheltered areas. And believe it or not, it said, I didn't know this. I have never thought about bees having to drink water. But it said mm. to make sure you leave water out somewhere during the winter so uh, that uh, bees, you know, if they're not hibernating, that they uh, require water. All all living things require water. I know we don't yeah. sort of take it down to that level, but but you know what? There's something I'm going to be sort of setting up in the next uh, week, few weeks. I have a bird bath and a bird bath heater, so it's oh, an electric yeah. little heater that I got from the Urban Nature Store. I'm going to set that up so I'm going to have open water all winter for obviously the birds and like you said you never know when the bees go in or out of hibernation we never know when it's really going to be winter or not right the the autumn can go on for months and months and months and who knows when spring is going to start so open water is really important for all the little beasties um when you mention like peonies and echinacea yes um i am i am not a fan of the scorched earth methodology of putting the garden to bed for winter. Like I don't clear my gardens. I let a lot of things, a lot of the foliage drops to the ground where it proceeds to decompose over the winter and spring, whether it's hosta leaves, um, things like echinacea, um, rudbeckia or black-eyed Susan, lots and lots of seeds on those plants. So I leave those for the finches and whoever else, winter winter birds who love those seeds. Um, but I do cut down my peonies. I just because I I never can cut them down early enough in the spring if I don't get to them in the fall. They come okay. up so early, and that they also are very susceptible because, to fungal diseases. Yeah, so. that was my biggest uh, concern because these plants. Uh, my mom had them at least fifty years before uh, she sold her house, and I went and got them because they. They came from our original, like my grandparents, and uh, so I have them, and I've been trying to keep them going, and I gave my daughter one of them, and uh, they are so gorgeous. You know, like I see other people's in their garden, but these are of the old heritage ones, and Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose them by... 
doing, you know, yeah. just because, you know, I, I do have the, the uh, cone flowers and that. I will leave them and the hosta and everything. This year, mm. I guess I get off easy in the fall, but in the, win- <laughs> in the spring, I'll uh, have to get my work gloves out. <laughs> okay, take care. And <laughs> very, thank you very so good. Very, Thanks very for much. calling. Good yeah. points. Bees, Thanks I for the call. Nice. The bees. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Always nice to have a little chat about bees there. I know. Okay. Especially as winter's coming. Yeah, it's great. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, your comment about water, a very good one as well, and one that we all have to keep in mind. And we, and I think you're right. We don't think that the small little creatures need water, but everything does. Mm-hmm. Okay. We are going to take our next break, but we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show, and the numbers again to give us a call, 416-360-0740, that's the Toronto number, or toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And uh, I would suggest that this next caller use the, uh, the toll-free number. We're going to Hamilton, and we've got uh, Gene on the line. Welcome to The Garden Show, Gene. Good morning, yes, and thank you. Um, I've just got to, uh, a question about an umbrella tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I control it? It's um, <laughs> I, I'm growing it too well. <laughs> I've had it for yeah, years, just... and I've tried everything to get it under control, and uh, it's nothing is working. It's just growing and growing, and um, it keeps bending <laughs> over, of course. I staked it during the summer to try and straighten it up, but there was no luck. I had changed it to a larger pot, thinking that that might help. All it did was grow another small one coming up. It's about two foot tall. This one is about six foot. Can I cut it off, or uh, what can I do? I don't want to throw it out. No, of course not, no. Well, And it's interesting when you mention the bigger pot. Always know, I mean, at the beginning of the show, we were talking briefly about bonsai and the show in Toronto tomorrow. Bonsai is a is a... Um, a way of growing plants to keep them small. And and they might be 150 years old, but they're tiny, tiny little plants, you know, a foot or two yeah, tall. Part of the way that they are controlled is with tiny little pots. So very few roots because very small pots. So obviously when we give our plants bigger pots, we give them the opportunity for more roots, which means grow, grow, grow. So yeah, six foot tall <laughs> uh, indoor plant can be a little bit challenging. And But if you've got a little a daughter plant coming from the base, so the little two footer you referred to, is it an actually a separate plant or is it attached to the stem of the mother plant? I can't really tell. It looks as if it's separate, but I mean, it's very close to the mother plant. And of course, I think I'd have to take it out of the pot to find out where the roots were because there's a, there is a space until you hit the dirt. And then, of mm-hmm. course, it's closed right in and it's hard to tell. Yeah. So, I mean, you have a couple options. The the big, tall six-footer, you could do a pretty radical pruning back on that plant, uh, bringing it to a more controllable size. But to, that now is not the optimal time to do that. The optimal time would be to do that in the late winter. If you want to say, no, no, I'm just happy with the little two-footer, then get out a big pair of loppers and just lop out the big guy, leave the little one in the pot for now, um, you know, dispose of all the, the large mother plant and let it do its thing over the winter and then in the spring you could lay it all out pull it out of the pot and see what's going on getting rid of perhaps the roots of the mother plant because the other little one is separate or 
or not. Maybe the little one is growing off the same roots and you would just maybe trim some roots away and then put it all back in the pot. But either way, don't be afraid. They are pretty tough plants. Um, They're pretty easy to grow. And you've obviously, that's your biggest problem is it's too easy to grow. So yeah, just um, know that this isn't the, the optimal time for major pruning. Okay, that's fine. And so I could do it in the late winter, like maybe Christmas, New Year's or something like that. Uh, or even more like Valentine's Day. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, as long as I know I can do some. I just didn't want to cut it off and then kill the whole plant. <laughs> yeah, I, you I, won't. You, I, you, If you cut off the mother plant, I think the daughter will thrive. If you chop down the mother plant, it may die if you chop it now. Oh, okay. No, I'll wait until the Valentine's then. That'll be my Valentine's gift to myself. <laughs> there right, you go. There you go. Time. Thanks Maybe for calling. I'm a caller, but I've listened to you for many years, and thank you very much for all the help you have given oh. me. Oh, my and pleasure. And did you say you're a first-time yeah. caller? Okay. Yes, I am. Yeah. There oh, we are. There's you your garden much. wings. Don't thank be a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you very you. much. Goodbye. Bye. Uh, Charlie, I have to say that uh, Jean's description of her umbrella tree there mm-hmm. reminded me of an email that you got uh, this week uh, of the it's, it's a tree from Hawaii. Is it a Kaumani? Um, yeah, it's not a tree I am familiar with, but yes, it's one of those tropical trees. Uh, yes, Kaumani tree. And they uh, can really thrive, I guess, the inside in well, given the, the right conditions. Well, yeah, exactly. Like any of our tropical plants. I mean, look around your house. You you have jade plants, you might have Diefenbachia, Croton, all kind, you know, hibiscus. These are plants that are serious plants when you get to the tropics. And that's one of the, that was so fun when I was teaching students because they would, you know, maybe have enough money to go for a trip to Dominican Republic or something over March break. And then they'd come back and go, oh my gosh, all those plants we've been learning about in those little pots, they're like hedges when I went, you know, went <laughs> right. down south. They, they're cutting them with, you know, chainsaws, and here we are coddling them in a little in a little pot. So, yeah. yes, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, Rick, it was a Rick Sipos. Yeah, yeah, sent a photograph of a, a tree that he's growing at home from, that he go, he's growing from seed that he picked up when he was in Hawaii. So, you know, good for him. He also sent a nice poem. Did you want to just share the poem that our listeners uh, might enjoy. Yeah, let me just. Um, oh, no, I've got it. You've, you've got it there. I've just I got. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, you go ahead. Okay, so um, this is from Rick, written by Rick this past week, and it's just timely, right? Dry leaves lie in a heap. At the end of this day, my garden is going to sleep. I give thanks for this year. It gave an abundance to reap, but now it is all too clear my garden is going to sleep. Soon the snow will drift, thick and cold and deep. It is a blessing and a gift, for my garden is going to sleep. But I believe spring will come again. Life will once more leap. There will there will fall a gentle warm rain to rouse my garden from its sleep. Thanks, Rick. Nice. Yeah, how nice. as you say, how apropos. Yes, exactly. And one more thing about this time of year, 
Yeah. Get to the garden centers. Everything's on sale. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, you were saying it. What would be uh, things that you would specifically look for this time of year? Well, when I say everything, plants. Uh, generally, um, garden centers clear as much inventory as they can before winter, just because they have to overwinter these plants. Yeah. And they're, they they take up space and they can get eaten by mice and all that sort of thing. So they are a bit of work as they go into winter. So, you know, I, with my new retaining wall garden, I'm looking at it going, mm, I would like a, some, maybe some carpet ju uh, junipers, you know, blue mm -hmm. rug sort of yes. junipers to grow down that wall. It's only an 18 inch wall, but it would soften the, the bricks. I was like, mm, maybe I'll just head over to my garden center and see if they have any still in stock because I'm sure they'll be on sale. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, let's go to our next caller. We're going to Etobicoke right now. We have Helen on the line. Welcome to the garden show, Helen. Oh, hi there. Welcome. I mean, glad it's a beautiful, beautiful day out here. And I just wanted to ask a question about a Rose of Sharon that somebody had given me a cutting from it. And maybe it's about two feet tall. Um, last Sunday, I put it in the ground. This is just very recent. Um, yeah. And I put some fertilizer in there, watered the, the hole, gosh knows how many times because we'd had such a drought. And I stuck it in there and tamped it down, and now it looks pretty good. Is there anything else I should do before the snow flies? Nope. <laughs> You've done it all. I wouldn't, just so you know, I wouldn't normally fertilize when I plant, other than with a uh, root-stimulating fertilizer, so a plant start kind of fertilizer. Yes, yes. Uh, in the fall, that, anytime we plant a plant, the main thing is good soil, and in the case of Rosa Sharon, full sun, well-drained, not a soggy area, and uh, into the ground and watering, good point. Don't water it every day. Just, you know, good thorough watering when you plant. And then as we get further towards winter, you know, we may have to water a couple of times. I know I'll be on watering my evergreens uh, before winter so because it's been quite dry where I live as well. But, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty tough plant. You, it'll be just fine for the winter, I'm sure. Well, I did put, um, I forgot to mention just now, I did put some plant starter that was 10-52-10 into the, oh, perfect. Perfect. Into the um, hole after or before yeah. I watered and while I was watering and not too much actually because I didn't know whether I should have or not, but I did put it in the hole and watered and watered and watered. So it's looking pretty <clears throat> grim now, but then the leaves what were there were falling off, but they would have of anyway course. in normal yeah. times, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And remember with Rose of Sharon, next spring, you're going to think it's dead because all, everything around it is going to be perking up and growing leaves and, and happening because it's spring. And your Rose of Sharon is going to be sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And you're going to go, oh, no, it's dead. It's dead. And then one day you're going to look and you'll see little green buds. That's always the last one to leaf out. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you told me that because I would have been wondering away about what I did yeah. wrong this fall. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it'll, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's like I said, as long as you've got full sun and well-drained soil, it'll be fine. Oh, great. And I just have to tell you one thing, and then I, I know I'm not going to talk about it, but I have a, um, a zygote <laughs> cactus in the house, and it is so beautiful. It's a, mm -hmm. a pink thing, and it's just, there are so many buds on it, and I'm just delighted with it. It just kind of makes my day when I see it in the morning, you know? Nice. I agree. I agree. Nothing makes me smile more than blooming plants on my desk or in my in my place. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks so calling. much. Honey. Yeah. 
<laughs> Thanks so much. Glass half full, Helen. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Or fully full. <laughs> yeah. Now, I have to say, I've heard you say this before, and I think this is a mistake that I would make as well. This would be would be this idea of fertilizing when you first plant or doing too much in the fall. I would, as you were saying it again, because I've heard you say it to many, many callers over the, the time that I've been with you, I suppose it would be like... You know, getting into bed with a hamburger and fries and just before you go to sleep, which is probably not the best thing to do, right? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Good analogy, I guess. <laughs> um, well, keep, you know, like, uh, keep in mind that when we plant plants, the, the most important thing, whether we're planting in the spring or planting in the fall, the most important thing is for the plant to get established. And an established plant has a very well-grown root system. So if we're going to encourage anything, let's encourage roots when we first plant a plant. Don't worry about flowers and leaves and all that other stuff. It'll come later. The first thing is the roots. Okay, dokie. Okay, now I know I have a, a caller on the line from Newmarket, but I have to take a quick break, so we'll be right back with that caller and much more here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show, and we have a very, very patient caller from Newmarket on the line. We're going to Gene. Welcome to The Garden Show, Gene. I'm not that patient. I am your best fan ever. <laughs> I will wait for you. <laughs> uh, Charlie, well, we, please. I appreciate oh, you sorry. waiting. Oh, and Dean, I enjoy your Sunday night show. You have oh. made classical music come alive for me. Listeners, oh, try it. Pardon? Great. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Charlie, my very best. Yes. I bought a cactus at the grocery store. It's just a, a single cactus and it's three inches long and i talked to it on the way home and i said don't worry charlie will keep you alive what do i do (laughs) is is it by any chance a christmas cactus you know the ones that have little buds on them now uh non-prickly gene are you there hello gene did we lose gene i think so I would think if somebody's buying a cactus at this time of year, it's probably a Christmas cactus. Okay, yeah. So that's because remember with cacti, with cacti, yeah, there's two big categories. One are the prickly ones, which are desert cactus, yes. and the other are the non-prickly ones, which are forest cacti. So where they naturally occurred, where they evolved to survive, was mm-hmm. the desert or the forest. So the Christmas cactus, the ones that are in bud now and and blooming, and of course, um, you know, Jean just said the same thing that you know she's loving her her blooming cactus. So it's it's a forest. They they are designed to be happy in the forest. So they oh. still want good bright spot. They can be in direct sunlight, but they. Definitely need a good bright spot. And they're only watered when the soil is very dry. Fact, As- uh, Charlie, we have Jean back, by the way, just on the okay. line. She's going to engage her again. So there she is. Here I am. Charlie, it's, it's like what I saw in Arizona. You know how oh, they're, okay. they're just a, a big fat cactus that grows up. It's not a Christmas because I okay. have a Christmas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Please. Yeah. So yeah, there's all kinds of different prickly cactuses, cacti. Um, main thing is, it might even be sort of what's called a barrel cactus. You know, they're the round. Uh, so what are you going to do? The the cacti that have 
this Arizona feel to them. You have to mimic the environment that you saw in Arizona for this plant to be truly happy for the location for this plant. So direct sun in your brightest window. Um, If it's on a window ledge, remember, you never want plants to touch the glass, particularly in the winter, because we get that cold, cold glass in the winter. And this is a plant that likes a cool night but what wants a nice hot sunny day. So and that's pretty pretty easy usually for us to to mimic at home because when the sun goes down our houses typically cool off uh when the sun is out and when the sun is up and the plants are in the window they're getting that nice you know radiant heat off the sun coming through the window. The uh, couple of things always everybody should be thinking about right now tropical plants whether they're cacti or you know, peace lilies or whatever they are, lucky bamboo, they do not want to be in drafts. So no um, open windows or nowhere near a front door that is used in the winter. None of that cold, cold draft, but also hot drafts. Be very, very aware of the vent, the, the furnace vent and the blow, the hot air that's blowing out of your vents, which is is very um not good for most tropical plants. They hate the hot, dry wind like that. So get vent deflectors, uh, or maybe you live in a situation with steam heat, and then you know life is a whole different situation. But if you have hot air forced furnish furnace, make sure you're deflecting that dry air away from your plants. Okay, thank okay, you. Okay. I'm. I, that's all. Bye now. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Gene. When you said Arizona, yeah, reminded me of uh, of uh, the Roadrunner, uh, oh, Road yeah. Coyote. All the cactus. Yeah, you know, that's that was what we saw, right? All the cacti. <laughs> yes, exactly. We, <laughs> sorry, took us back there. Right. I off. know. I know. I'm just I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the cartoon. All the cartoon. No, it's great. Yeah, the rocks <laughs> falling and. <laughs> oh yeah, and always getting impaled on a cactus. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Okay, let's go to uh, Markham now. We have uh, we have Elaine on the line, and we're, so welcome to the Garden Show, Elaine. Hi, Charlie and Dean. Yeah. Morning. Well, I'll tell you. I was out yesterday. I came home, and I was t- totally horrified. The gardeners had come along and cut down my beautiful mophead hydrangea down to twelve inches. Mm. It won't I kill never it. No, it's, it don't... cut down until the spring. Right. So it just, I, I hate cutting them down because they're so pretty in the winter. Uh, I know. But it, it won't, it's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just you've lost the ornamental value of those flowers all winter. Mm-hmm. What I would do in the spring is cut it down further. Once uh, the growth starts, inches. if it's 12 inches now, you want it to be about four inches in the spring. Oh, okay. Okay. But wait until the growth starts. Wait until you start to see the little green buds on those Uh 12-inch stems. Little Uh pairs, they're opposite to each other, little green, round buds. As soon Uh as you start to see those fattening up, and they're quite evident, cut down to four to six inches tall. Okay. All right? Okay. Oh, I was horrified. I just, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Sounds I, sounds I mean, like I the other thing that got lost might have been the contract for the gardeners. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Well, you know, that's one of the things about fall gardening is some some that's that scorched earth policy I referred to at the top of the show. Clean everything up. 
you know, cut it all down, get it off the property. Um, the soil tends to blow away or erode through wind or water, snow, runoff. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm a much bigger fan of leaving some debris in my gardens, not on the lawn, but in the gardens. Yeah. Okay. Clean it up well, in the you. spring. <laughs> yeah. Thanks okay. for calling, Elaine. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I feel your pain, but you know what? It's good to know that uh, they'll they'll come back and they'll be strong again in the spring. I think so. Okie dokie. Uh, okay, we have to take our final break, but we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, we're back here on The Garden Show, and Charlie, I'm pretty sure that every one of the flowers that we just heard about in that song are all going to bed for the winter. Oh, I think so. It's, but, you know, um, I'm still fascinated about the fact that you plant garlic now and that oh. it loves the cold, you know, because, mm. you know, it loves, the, I guess it loves to be cold for the winter. Um, it may, it think of tulips and daffodils. If you don't plant those out now and you leave them in your kitchen drawer, then they will not flower next spring. They right. will grow, but there'll be no flowers. So the temperature has a lot to do with the initiation of certain physiological changes in plants. So the cool winter underground for garlic, for tulips, for daffodils, it's all about initiating that flower bud down deep inside the, the, the bulb, which it, comes up in the spring. Yes, it is fascinating. It is fascinating. No, it's cool. Plants are cool. They are cool. Okay, uh, let's go to Ellen, and she lives in a cool place. She lives in Brantford. Welcome to the Garden Show, Ellen. Good morning. Thank you morning. for taking my call. Morning. Um, my question today is I have a self-seeded pine tree. It's now about two feet tall, and I, it's in a bad spot, and I'd like to relocate it. I understand this is the right time of year, but that's about all I know about it if I dig it up and move it. Uh, this is a good time to dig up now or even a month ago, because as we head into winter, plants are slowing down, but the soil is nice and warm still. And as mentioned earlier, it's all about the roots. Digging up a pine, the only thing tricky that's different on a pine than, say, a, you know, a peony is that pine trees have a tap root. They use that taproot for structural anchorage. As they get big and tall, they are able to withstand big wind. The, that taproot is absolutely imperative. If it gets broken off in the transplanting process, the plant will die. So mm -hmm. if it's about two feet tall, you're going to need to dig down at least a foot and a half uh, to include that that taproot when you're moving it. So just plan a spot where you're moving to, make sure it's wide open, full sun, reasonably good soil, and then get that, that two-foot-tall pine dug out with soil attached to the roots when you make the move. If it's really dry, if your soil is super dry, some I know mine has been like a sandbox, then uh, water first. Watering first will help uh, with, with holding the soil to the roots as you take it across to its new location. And of course, water it in once it's there. Right. And could I wait until the spring? If, as you said, maybe a month ago might have even been appropriate to move it. Would it be okay in the um, spring? 
Yeah, spring is fine as well uh, because they're coming out of door. Plants are coming out of dormancy. Um, the soil is cool, so that we get very slow growth initially because the soil is so cool. But um, yeah, nothing saying you can't do it in the spring. It's just a matter again of same preparation I was referring to. Get the hole organized. Right. Uh, make sure you've got um, you know whatever you need. People will often okay. use bone meal to encourage roots or a plant starter type fertilizer. And is that okay at this time of year as well as the spring, the bone meal, or the or yep. would I not yep. do that at this time of year? It's okay. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. Uh-huh. Again, it's a yep. it's a rooting, uh, stimulate stimulating for for the root growth, right. and in the nice warm soil, the roots will grow. It's amazing. They've done underground photography of uh, when you plant a tulip bulb, and it's within like forty five minutes of planting a tulip uh-huh. bulb at this time of year, the roots start to grow. It's amazing. Oh like God. like right before wow. your very eyes. I'll have to share a funny story with you that I think everybody will get a laugh of. Um, I heard your earlier caller talking about the, um, what do they call them, butterfly bush? I probably mm-hmm. oh. pulled one out every year for Sharon. about four years before I realized it wasn't dead. It was just slow. Uh, oh, the Rose of Sharon. Yes, yes, yes. Rose of Sharon, yeah. So, yeah, so now <laughs> I have a, a new one. Anyway, thank you very Good. much for your help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Thanks for, for the call there, Ellen. Okay, we're going to go, Joe, right now to our next caller, who's a first-time caller. We've got Steve on the line from Buffalo, New York. Welcome to the Garden Show, Steve. Good, good morning, Mr. Dean and uh, Charlie. Uh, yeah, the, there uh, you go. There's your, there are your garden wings, my friend. Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. And uh, the question is, will you, could you get a miniature rose bush to survive in the, survive the winter in the house? Uh, there's one blooming it now. Sorry, this is a miniature it, rose, did you say? Yeah, miniature rose. Will they survive in the uh, winter in the house and maybe bloom? Yeah, maybe. Um, there's different kinds of miniature roses. If you what, did you buy it or somebody give it to you? My, my, it's my sister. She bought it at the supermarket. Right, and it was inside the store when she bought it, like in with all the other African violets and all that sort of thing. As far as you know, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that they, they're probably better inside than outside. They're a little challenging to keep them alive over the winter, depending on, again, exactly what kind of rose and exactly what you've got in your garden. But for your purposes inside, full sun, just like the cacti we were talking about, nice sunny window, bright sunny spot, um, only water, like feel the soil. If it's flowering right now, you are going to want to not let it dry to complete dry soil like you would with a cactus, but keep it so when it starts to get a little bit dry, the surface of the soil, water with room temperature water keep a very close eye on the plant the miniature roses have a tendency to develop um, insects you might see white fly you might see believe it or not even aphids um, you never know so just keep a real close eye on the plant uh, you if it's blooming right now then uh, organize some fertilizer flowering plant fertilizer and use that when you're watering every three weeks uh, it might keep flowering all, all winter for you if you can give it the conditions it likes. So bright sun, nutrient, moisture, and no drafts. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I gave it some rose stone uh, about a week and a half ago, so. <laughs> okay. That's good. Okay. Yeah, that's you know to fertilize your plants in, in the house. You know to fertilize them when they are blooming, when they're actively providing beauty for you. So Christmas cactus, we're fertilizing them now. But um, 
uh, orchids, if they're you know getting ready to bloom, we're fertilizing them now. But generally speaking, we don't do a lot of fertilizing of our indoor plants in the winter unless they're blooming. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thanks yeah, thank for calling. You. Thanks, Steve. Okay, going to jump right into the next call. We'll see if it's a quick one. I've got Bass. Mary on the line from Toronto. What do you got there for us, Mary? Hello. Hey. Morning. Yeah. yeah, what do Hello? you got there, Mary? Hello. Hello, we're here. Turn your radio down, please. Hello. Um, hello. Hello. Mary, can you hear us? Yes. Uh, a quick question. I know I shouldn't report it, but my um, crown of thorns, the pink one, mm -hmm. I'm going to leave it. It's blooming. The other white one has got big buds, and the one I really needed to repot, uh, the original old one, the you know dark pink, mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. showed a bud in the last few days, like the soil's like cement. Uh -huh. I desperately need to repot that, and I want to put the white one with it. What can I do? Can I repot uh, it now? I really, especially the old one. It okay, so here, quickly, I'll just have to answer this because we are out of racetrack, unfortunately. The um, Now is not the optimal time to be transplanting any of our indoor plants. However, if the concrete-like soil and the roots are growing out the bottom of the pot or the pot is broken because the, the roots are just, you know, so full that the pot breaks, then you, you have to do it. If you can hold off, I would hold, hold off till spring. Um, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, and you can. You can. Just make sure you've got fresh soil. And when you do take the plants out of the pot, loosen the roots if they're all a bunch. If it's very root-bound, you might need to remove some roots, loosen the roots if they're growing in a spiral. You know, just make it so it's a, it's a, a happy place for these two plants to be together in the same pot. Um, thanks. Thanks for calling, Mary. We have to go. Thanks, Dean. Thank you. Thanks, Ashi. Couldn't do any of this without either of you and the great callers. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.